Blog Talk Radio. Welcome to Autism Spectrum Radio. If you are caring for a person with autism, great information from a trusted source can be a lifeline. We hope today's conversation will help you create success for the extraordinary individual with autism in your life. Now, here is your host, Rob Haupt. Ah, recording today on a, a little bit on the early side. It's a early morning here in, the, in L.A., um, and uh, definitely feel like, you know, need a cup of coffee, got to get myself going. Um, probably more excited right now about uh, a good win for my softball team than I, I should be, but uh, just always great to, uh, to enjoy myself and have those things and distractions. I, I think we can all agree on that. Um, but as always, um, for those new to the show, I'm a vice president of business development here at Autism Spectrum Therapies. Uh, we're a company that's been doing ABA therapy, uh, providing resources, support to uh, families, individuals with developmental disabilities, um, and I'm a BCBA. I'm a board-certified behavior analyst, uh, really an ABA guy. Uh, who, I don't know, I find that that ABA philosophy really kind of guides so much of what I'm doing and guides kind of so much of how I look at the world. And, you know, I've been thinking for the last couple of weeks, uh, really ever since uh, we were speaking to uh, the authors of Mikey, that great children's book, about this idea of philosophies and ideas and you know the idea of the science of ABA. And it's something I feel like it's been coming up a lot for me in the, small conversations here and there, it's that, you know, to an outsider to, like, our ABA world, you know, ABA seems like ABA. You kind of have this idea of this is kind of the way it is, um, and it's all about the same. And I think that makes things really complicated. You know, you have these, you have these different philosophies that really aren't the same and don't always match up. You know, they maybe all borrow from this one idea or this one approach, but it, it, it's not a one ABA provider is the same as another. And as a parent, as a teacher, as, as someone else who's not maybe in the science but wants to work with, learn about the science, it, it gets very complicated. Uh, the, the application of that science really seems to differ. And as we think about issues and, and as I kind of work with different people, uh, it seems like I hear the same story as well. You know, I, I did ABA and typically it looks like this and I didn't really like that. Well, that's only one way it has to look. And I think we make things very complicated when we look at issues and when we look at therapy. Um, you know, just speaking to a guest recently, we were not even talking about ABA. We were talking about just therapy, and, and ABA just kind of came up in there as just one of the different therapies, one of the different approaches. And it was pretty clear to me that, you know, we had really different definitions, but we're both advising parents. We're both giving resources to parents. And it was very tricky to see how... Um, how us using the same exact word could lead to very different advice. And I think, you know, as we move forward and as we 
continue to focus on awareness and as we continue to look at well, what are best practices, I think we probably need to do a better job at defining what that practice actually is and how to apply that practice. Simply saying, here's speech or here's OT or here's ABA, uh, that may not actually be the best way for us to define things. We may need to look at really explaining a little bit more or having modifiers or uh, classifications of that. This is version one of this science or approach. Uh, this is application two of this science and approach. We, I think we need to start looking at that a little bit so we can really provide the best advice to families, to colleagues, uh, to whoever. Uh, so, you know, now let's get into today's show, into our today's guest. Uh, today I'm joined by uh, Shelley McLaughlin, the Director of Communications with Pathfinders for Autism, as well as Trish Kane, the Director of Programs with Pathfinders for Autism. Um, Shelley is responsible for the research and management of the information on autism across the lifespan, including the creation of Autism by Age Navigation Tool. Shelley also uses her uh, collaborations with experts, research, or personal experience uh, to pen a monthly parents tip article that offers practical solutions to everyday autism challenges. She also serves as an appointed member on the Governor's Interagency Council, or sorry, Interagency Transition Council for Youth with Disabilities. Trish is the Director of Programs uh, and provides support and resources through research, field work, and personal experience. She develops the PFA workshop series by identifying and coordinating partners, topics, and speakers. She also organizes family fun events through Maryland, throughout Maryland to bring enjoyment and social opportunities for families. In addition to her work with Pathfinders, Trish is on the Board of Directors for the Abilities Network, a local Maryland community and vocational support organization. Uh, Shelly, Trish, welcome to the show. Welcome. Thank, Thank you. you. I'm uh, I'm really excited. You guys, I think, are our first guests from Maryland talking about services and resources and, and things in Maryland. So it's I'm really excited to just have like another perspective of kind of what's going on in the country. This is great. Well, and we're talking to you from boats and um, flooded highways right now, actually. <laughs> I, I heard something about that, that it looked like the weather kind of turned yesterday. Oh, yeah. As a matter of fact, there's a part of Baltimore that uh, swallowed 10 cars yeah. and became a giant sinkhole. <laughs> oh, my God. So, I, but we're here. Well, we're glad you're here. Um, <laughs> you know, floating, hanging out, staying dry, but, but we keep going. <laughs> Kids going to school away, you know, yeah, it's just a typical morning. <laughs> Um, what I was hoping we could start off with is um, maybe you guys tell us a little bit about like what is Pathfinders for Autism. Okay, well, we're actually the largest uh, autism resource center in the state of Maryland. Um, there really are three primary things that we do. We're mm -hmm. a resource center so that if parents are looking for resource referrals, so if they're looking for um, a specific specialist, or they need help navigating the systems, we can do that for them. We also do free workshops and trainings around the state. So there are workshops that we host where we'll bring in experts on specific topics, 
but then we also go around the state and offer training in autism. And then we do free family fun events. So we rented out the National Aquarium in Baltimore for a night, and about 2,000 people got to enjoy um, a night out with the entire family. We have uh, five minor league baseball games at, plus a sailing event coming up this summer where families will get to enjoy some time. And everything that we offer is free of charge. Nice. You know, you mentioned trainings. I'm curious, um, are those trainings just geared to parents or are they geared to other community members to maybe raise their awareness about autism um, and, um, like, the best way to support uh, kids with autism they may come into contact with? All of our trainings are offered to the community. So we have professionals, educators, uh, parents, other caregivers that attend our workshops. So we try to bring topics to the community that are relevant and current. Um, so for the most part, anyone can attend, and we do get a lot of different participation. Uh, the one training that we are working on right now are um, first responder training, so it's specific to that nice. audience. So we have you know, law enforcement, uh, EMTs, or um, hopefully some fire, fire um, men as well. So some of them are targeted audiences. For the most part, all of our trainings are attended by anyone. Mm -hmm. That's awesome. Are you, are you finding, like, the first responders, the fire department, the, the different branches you were talking about, are they um, – are they getting excited by this? Is there like, is there a desire, an equal desire on their end to get this information? Um, because obviously we see a lot of things in the news, especially this past summer, with uh, kids wandering, with with drownings. It, it, I would think it would be a really relevant topic for them. Right, it is. Um, you you mentioned drowning, and of the kids that that die from wandering, ninety one percent are drowning incidents. Yeah. And, yes, actually the feedback that we're getting from law enforcement is that they wish they had had this class years ago because several wow. are telling us that had they known some of, some of the things that we're teaching back then, they would have done things differently. Um, soon, there's, there's a lot of police agencies in the state that have called us to come out and do either their academies or their in-service trainings. Mm -hmm. Chances are, by next year, we expect that it's going to be mandated that law enforcement will have to receive training wow. on autism and other intellectual and developmental disabilities. I, I think that's amazing. I mean, I, I don't know. Maybe it's the it's the baby step approach of ABA kind of rubbing off, but I feel like that is such a great thing, like the fact that they want this. This will be mandated. This is something that's going to be required. It, it feels like such a big change from even like 10 years ago when I first moved to California. I felt like people were trying to do some of these things and started talking about these things. And it was like, oh, well, we don't, we don't need that training. We don't necessarily want that training. And now it's like a 180 where you've got people saying to you, yes, this is amazing. We wish we had had this five years ago. Like, it feels like the community is really, is really shifting in terms of its uh, desire to become aware and to support everyone. 
Well, some of it, unfortunately, is reactionary. Um, we had an incident January a year ago. A gentleman with Down syndrome by the name of Ethan Saylor was tragically killed in Frederick County here in Maryland. Um, he was at a movie theater. He wanted to stay and see a second show. There were off-duty police there. They handcuffed him in a prone position, and sadly, Ethan died of positional association. Oh so you have some counties that are requesting the training because they want to make sure that an incident like that doesn't happen in their county. Okay. And then we have other, age, other police agencies, though, that have told us that they want to bring us in to kind of get ahead of the curve, and others because they have coworkers and family members that have disabilities, that have autism. You know, with the new prevalence rate, one in 68 in the country, yeah. and here in Maryland, the prevalence is one in 60, and for boys, it's one in 37. So they recognize that they are going to be dealing with people with autism throughout their work. And so they're requesting the training so that they can have the best interactions and the best outcomes. Wow. I hadn't heard that story. That's that's a, that that's horrible. That's oh, man. Um well, you mentioned this, the CDC. You mentioned uh, the prevalence rate, and I'm curious: has that has that changed anything? Does that change? You know, besides, it sounds like the prevalence rate is maybe changing how some of these different um, first responders are, are maybe looking at things. Maybe it's changing some of what they're looking at. Um, but has it changed some of the other? resources and supports that you offer? Has it changed the way you guys are looking at the, the different parent resources um, that I know Pathfinders offers? Um, the prevalence rates have just always uh, recently have been pretty um, high anyway. So, um, you know, we're busier. You know, there's a lot more calls mm -hmm. into this center. There's a lot more interest from people who really don't understand autism, and they're seeing it in their families, in their neighborhoods. So it, it, is, it is out there, and, they want, and people, whether they're first responders or not, are interested in understanding this. Um, yeah. So the prevalence rates, you know, I think it's one of those kinds of things, one in 68, sort of a shocker, and gets people to, to sit up a little bit. But I think the reality is that they're feeling it and seeing it in their, in their lives. So it does impact so, us. It impacts the number of people that are interested in resources um, or, or just want to know more about autism. So like when a parent calls up and maybe it's a parent, maybe it's a grandparent, an aunt, an uncle, you know, they call you guys up, they want this information or, or they have questions, um, you know, what what is the, I guess, what is the approach? Are, are they talking to... Um, I know both of you have kids on the spectrum. Are they talking to parents just like you who are sharing their own experiences? Do they get um, kind of like a mentorship? Um, are they, um, you know, uh, getting to attend these different workshops to gather information? Like how, how, do you, how do you guide a family through this process, especially when they're so new to it and there's obviously we've heard some, so many parents, so much emotions going on when you first get that diagnosis? Right, absolutely. I mean, you can imagine, first of all, there's two 
primary folks here at Pathfinders who take calls. Uh, and both wow. of us have um, children on the spectrum, so we can very much relate to the caller. But what's interesting is that What's interesting is that we have callers um, at all different ages. You know, these parents might be calling in about a child who's nine. They just found out is diagnosed with um, a high-functioning form of autism. So it's not just those that have those little three-year-olds that they just found out maybe have autism. So the resources that we provide them will be appropriate for that age as well as um, the uh, particular diagnosis. And, you know, we try to tell parents one of the big things, because they do come, often come calling crying. You know, they're very upset, and we totally understand that. So we do offer up that we have children on the spectrum, and we, we do understand how they feel. And I think that they appreciate knowing that we have that perspective. So that, that's mm-hmm. always very helpful. But we will, you know, talk to them and find out. It, you know, the call may last an hour, and a lot of it may just be they want to talk which is perfectly fine with us. But, but then there's issues about getting them information that they can start using and helping them navigate, Shelley mentioned earlier, navigating the system, start making the contacts that they need to make, registering for the programs they need to register for, and things like that. So we really do try to sort of do some hand-holding and, some, and get them some good, solid information uh, that they can use. And we have different perspectives because Trish mentioned that there's two people here that primarily take those resource center calls. So Mm -hmm. Trish has a 20-year-old son. The other person that takes the calls is Neil. So then you have the perspective of a dad who has a 9-year-old son. Right. And they're they're all in different parts of the spectrum, which is – and then, of course, Shelley mentioned – uh, may have mentioned she has a 12-year-old son with Asperger's. So we're all, we have children on all parts of the spectrum at all different ages, and, and that matters because mm-hmm. at certain phases of their lives, you need to, certain things will kick in. Yeah. When I would think also, even if you're the, you know, the, all the ages you guys refer to are a little bit older, but even for the younger kids, it's, you know, it's that not only is it the I've been there and I can share with you my experiences, but I, I must think it's nice for a parent to talk to, you know, maybe Trish to talk to you. Your your son is 20. You, you can give them not just a moment, that roadmap of what you went through, but this is where we're, go, where we're going. This is what you can expect exactly. in the future five years from now and maybe start planning ahead. Right. I mean, that's a perfect point because I know when I first found out that my son had autism, there weren't as much uh, resources in the area for us. And I always wanted to know where – I always asked the question, where are the autistic adults in, in Maryland? You just – you yeah. never heard of them. You didn't know where they, where they worked or what kind of supports they had. It was just not a lot of information. So, so I'm very grateful for Pathfinders for Autism because they've, they've made an effort to really look at the whole lifespan and, and help families, uh, you know, navigate the resources and, and um, you know, the programs that, that, that could help them. Yeah. Well, I, I want to talk more about navigating, but I want to make sure we, we take a little bit of a break. So let's take a, a quick break, play a couple commercials, and, um, and when we come back, let's talk a little bit more about this navigation, especially of the system, because I know so much is changing, especially in Maryland right now. Um, So let's take this break, and then we'll come back and talk more with Trish and Shelley. 
Autism Spectrum Therapies is proud to present Autism Spectrum Radio. At AST, we see a world where people with autism dream and achieve their full potential. Our promise is to support families through our extensive resources, highly trained staff, and outstanding programs. At AST, we recognize that every child is unique. We are proud to offer what we believe is the most cohesive approach to supporting your child's needs and goals at each stage. From ABA to speech therapy, occupational therapy, and social skills, we have the elements you need to build the plan that is just right for you. One company, one team, with one mission to support individuals and their families to dream and achieve their full potential. Call us today to let us know how we can best support your family at 866-727-8274. To find out more about ASC, visit our website at www.autismtherapies.com. This is Autism Spectrum Radio. If you have a question or comment for our host or today's guest, please send an email to moreinfo at autismtherapies.com. That's moreinfo at autismtherapies.com. Now, back to the program. Uh, welcome back to Autism Spectrum Radio. I'm your host, Rob Haupt. Uh, today we're joined by Shelley McLaughlin, the Director of Communications with Pathfinders for Autism, and Trish Kane, the Director of Programs with Pathfinders for Autism. Um, you know, right before the show, we were talking a little bit about kind of starting off the process, navigating the system. Um, what do you guys, when, when a parent is starting this, this process, are there key things, are there key people you want them to talk to or key questions you want them to ask um, as you start to guide them through this process? Um, absolutely. Uh, first of all, when, we, when they first find out, uh, we, we tell them to take a breath, you know, to stop a moment and just because, you know, at that moment you are very overwhelmed and, and they feel like they need to fix it today. And we, we let them know that there is a process and it doesn't need to be done like today so that you can mm-hmm. breathe a little bit and give yourself some, some peace and some space. But then what we do is we have them take a look at, um, different uh, early intervention programs that are available if they're um, young. If they're young. And mm-hmm. um, we look at some programs like there's the Autism Waiver Program here in Maryland. Mm-hmm. Uh, unfortunately, while it's a beautiful, wonderful program, it is uh, there's a wait list. So people mm-hmm. may wait seven to eight years to get these services. Wow. The autism. Yes. And I'll tell you, it's, it's a wonderful program. It provides therapeutic integration, in, in-home uh, support, intensive in-home support services, respite care. It can offer environmental um, devices. You know, if the child's in a loper, they would build, um, they could help with fencing or locks on windows and things like that. So it's a, it's a beautiful program. But, of course, as most programs in most states, they, they, you know, they're not fully funded well, you know, to, to help. Sure all the people that need it. So, but, we, but you have to get on that list. To me, that's one of the most important things. Is if you have a youngster, you just found out have, has autism, a young child, you have to get on that list. Because even at seven years old, even at eight years old, or however old that child is, when they get on that waiver, it will benefit them. Yeah. Uh, yeah. Because it's, it's some wonderful programs. 
Um, so that's the one thing we absolutely tell everyone to do immediately. And even if you don't have, because a lot of times at two or three, you may not have a formal autism diagnosis, but you may have a learning d delay or, and you're not sure, it's still good to get on the list. Because then once they, that doesn't, they do not qualify you at that time, but you get on the list and they will qualify you when your number comes up. And then there's other resources that we'll try to connect them to to help them understand what autism is. So they may have gotten a clinical or a medical definition when they were given the diagnosis, but we'll direct them to resources such as Ellen Notbaum's uh, book, The Ten Things My Child with Autism Wishes You Knew. Right, right. Mm. Um, we also have an article explaining autism using everyday examples that kind of describes the autism experience, but it uses examples that the rest of us can relate to and can picture ourselves in to help <clears throat> understand um, something such as sensory overload or a language <clears throat> process disorder. Um, we also refer them to William Stillman's website. He's a national speaker and author who has Asperger's, and he has a very eloquent way of explaining what autism is from his perspective so that you can better understand what your child might be experiencing. And, and the parenting article that Shelley mentioned, explaining autism using everyday examples, I always give that to families uh, because it, it helps not just that person, under, the mom understand or the dad understand the autism diagnosis from a very practical, real sense. But it's one of those documents you can give to your in-laws or your, um, your parents or your neighbors because a lot of people just don't understand it. And to me, mm -hmm. the, this particular parent tip is, is perfectly worded and, and the, um, um, the different um, descriptions that are in there and examples are, are really helpful. And I, and I think it's a great article for that purpose. You know, listening to you guys, I think it's really, I think the resources you give to families, it's really interesting to me. It feels like perspective is a big part of what you're trying to give, like understanding the perspective of your child, maybe educating family members on what, the pers what my perspective is as a parent so you can kind of better understand where I'm coming from and the support. It, does that, I guess, does that mesh? with kind of the way you guys are viewing your philosophy? Um, and if so, is that something that stems from your, I guess, your personal histories of the different members of Pathfinders? Is it because of um, the, maybe the fact that, you know, as you said, the Medicaid waiver can be so long? Um, you know, wh where does this all come from? Um, well, we think it's essential that if you're going to to try to help your child that has autism, you have to have some kind of understanding for what they're experiencing. Um, and we kind of try to weave experiential exercises into all of our trainings. So, mm -hmm. for instance, we'll go into elementary schools and try to help them under better understand their classmates with autism. And so we have multiple exercises that we'll do with them. Um, for instance, we'll do a Simon Says game where we have lights flashing 
and all kinds of sounds that are banging and distracting. And meanwhile, we're giving Simon Says commands very quietly and very quickly so they can't follow. And then after we play the game and no one has been able to follow the Simon Says instructions, we say, well, why didn't you do it? And they're giving us all these reasons. Well, this was too loud and that was too loud and I couldn't hear you and I couldn't see and the lights were flashing and that distracted me. And then we're able to say, okay, this is how a classroom might feel every day to your friends with autism. So they're able to develop a compassion and an understanding and then might be able to recognize when a classmate with autism needs a break and then be able to understand why that classmate needs a break. Um, when we're working with, uh, with law enforcement, we'll do different exercises and one exercise that we do simulates a language processing disorder where we're snapping at them, we're yelling at them, we're demanding that they provide an answer and the way we've set it up, they can't think fast enough to provide an answer the way that we're demanding. And so then after that exercise, we're able to say to them, okay, that's what it can feel like for someone with any developmental disability that has a language processing disorder. Had we given you 20 seconds in a calm environment, you probably could have come up with the answer. And then they're able, because they've been through the exercise, then they're able to kind of take that with them and then remember the next time they're questioning someone that has autism or yeah. any language processing disorder, they're able to use, use those skills. I, these exercises sound amazing to me. I, I actually, they're, they, they make so much sense. I, I, did you guys, is there a curriculum that you follow for these things? Or are these things that you guys created as a team? Um, just curious where, where they, how they got, you know, embedded into your workshops. It's, it's, it's actually come from a mix. Um, uh-huh. We're not too proud to say that sometimes we steal from the best. The Simon Says exercise is actually one that William Stillman, the gentleman with Asperger's, the author that I mentioned, yeah. we went to one of his workshops and he put us through the Simon Says exercise. Um, some we do an exercise with ping pong balls. Uh, that uh-huh. one we took from the book The Reason I Jump which was written by a 13-year-old Japanese boy with, with uh, autism. Um, some, some of the exercises we've created based on observations of, of our own kids, some we've taken after talking to different people with autism. So it's really kind of a collective pool where we're, get, where we're taking exercises from. I, I, I think this is so cool. I... I it may be that I'm just not in the right workshops or the right trainings. Maybe mine are a little bit more clinically focused. But these are th- I haven't seen a lot of things like this. I think this is such a great resource. And because you think about just the way people learn, not everyone can learn by just listening and, and hearing facts. You guys are putting people right. in experiences to actually feel what someone else is feeling. That's, I think that's amazing. Right. We, get, um, we get good feedback from that, absolutely. Oh, I bet. I bet. Um, you know, I w- I'm curious. I, I want to go back to something you said with 
you know, if, if the idea of being on a wait list, I, I, I think your message made so much sense of, look, you know, it, it may be a seven-year wait list, but get on it now because whenever you get the help, it can help. Um, I'm, I'm wondering in the middle, you know, I, I got to figure if someone's waiting for services, if there's a gap, I, I know me, anyone would go to, okay, wh- who do I trust? Who can give me good advice? Who, what, what do I have available? And I would think you guys are going to be that for a lot of different families. So do you find yourself getting a lot of calls from families saying, oh, my God, we were just in the community, we went out to dinner, and my child had a meltdown. We were at the mall, <laughs> this thing happened. Oh, yes. It sounds we, like the we answer is yes. We have been those people. people, yeah. <laughs> Plus, one of the things, um, very good question, too. Um, one of the things that we, we try to respond to so much, you know, the calls that we get all day long are so different, uh, you know, for so many different reasons. We have people with uh, calling in because they suspect they have Asperger's and were never done. Wow. So calls about so many things, and one of them is this meltdown in behavior. And one of the tools that we've put together, uh, we call it a behavioral card, and basically it says, you know, because, you know, when you're a parent and you're in public, sometimes you just don't feel like telling some of another person, well, I'm sorry, my son, you know, he has autism. I mean, you, you're tired of yeah. having to have conversations. And sometimes you're too upset to respond. And, and you just can't because your mm. child's having that meltdown. You don't have the the energy or the time. So we've created these cards that we hand out. And basically it says, you know, my child's behavior may be puzzling to you. And then it says, you know, that my child has autism and, you know, we're doing the best we can kind of thing. If you want more information about autism, visit our website. So those are the kind of cards and things that we help parents with because, yeah, we've been there. And that's why we do the fun events that we mentioned earlier because we know Mm -hmm. going into an aquarium environment, for example, Sometimes the sensory overloads a little too much, but you know when our children have a meltdown at the aquarium with a Pathfinders for Autism event, that's okay because everybody in that right. room understands and, and you don't have to leave unless you really feel that your child isn't managing well. But then you mm-hmm. didn't have to pay for it either. You know, so that's yeah. how we do those kinds of things. You know, I, I, it's funny, the card, that's actually something that um, years and years ago, um, where when I, w- I was living in Massachusetts, and they actually gave us cards as the professionals to give when we were working with our clients in the community as well. And it was, you know, similarly, we don't want to get into all this different stuff, get into all this different dialogue. But I know for me, as as this clinical person trying to work with my my this child, um, it, it just helped me keep things safer during a meltdown too. Right. It's not having to answer questions; I could just focus on the child. And uh, exactly. get through this, exactly. move on. I, I love right. that you guys are giving that resource. Um, you know, the other thing I was wondering is, is kind of listening to these these experiences, um, and, and kind of listening to you. Clearly, you're bringing all these experiences from your own lives. Um, what it was like being a parent. Um, finding out about the diagnosis, going to kindergarten for the first time, transitioning into middle school. You're clearly bringing all that into your day-to-day at Pathfinder. Have you found now that, okay, now talking to all these families or running these workshops, it's impacted how you are as a parent. You know, when you leave the office, when you come back home to be moms again, um, has, has, has this experience with Pathfinder changed your approach as a parent to, uh, to your children? Oh, absolutely, because 
we're very fortunate in that we're in positions to get to talk to so many experts. Um, so we're, we're, we're able to seek the advice of others. And we have so many conversations every day, whether it's with other families or different specialists or just with each other, that we kind of have a large pool that we can tap into. And that's partly, too, why one of the things that we always recommend to parents is that they get involved with a local support group because we point out that other people that have been through similar experiences can offer the best advice. And I'd also add to the conversation, um, as I, having a 20-year-old, when I go out and do a presentation about autism, I, I tell people all the time, I can share with you what I know and what I've experienced about autism, but I learn something new about autism every day from all the different people we talk to. So it's a mm-hmm. constant learning experience. Mm-hmm. You know, we're kind of coming to the end in, in, in terms of time, and I, but what, what I was wondering from you guys, and, and when I love to kind of hear from people, especially when I'm, you know, as I said at the beginning, you know, you guys are our first guests from Maryland, and I, and I love to kind of learn what's the same, what's different um, from state to state, community to community. Um, you guys are out there. You're, you're talking to so many people. You're hearing so many perspectives. You know, when you think about what's next, what, what do we need to focus on? Where should we be putting our energy um, you know, are, are there things that are jumping out to you as you talk to families to say, you know, we as a community really need to, to focus in on this area next or, there, or maybe two areas or, or whatever? Like, what, based on all the conversations you're having with all these people, you know, where's that next need we should really be paying attention to within um, autism resources or services? That's a great question, and, and two of them come to mind right away. One of them mm-hmm. is, and it's a project we're working on because it's really important, it's the transition from pediatrician to an adult health care provider. Mm-hmm. I don't know about the other states, but in Maryland, um, it, it's very difficult to find a, adult providers, like an internist or a primary care physician who's familiar with uh, autism. You know, it's usually the pediatricians that come across the child because they're so young. So you have this transitioning from, you know, into adulthood, and a lot mm-hmm. of doctors uh, aren't familiar with autism. So it's getting them familiar with, you know, the accommodations they might need to make. And a lot of them won't take individuals with autism because the further complication besides understanding autism and making accommodations is that a lot of these um, adults are also on the medical assistance program for their health care, and a lot of doctors cannot afford uh, to see patients uh, with that kind of insurance who require so much more time. So that is an issue mm. we're working with. It's a very tough and delicate issue, but we are working on it. The second one that comes to mind is um, uh, housing options. You know, what kinds of programs are we looking at? And there's some really cool and great uh, minds that have come together and have thought of some very creative ways to look at housing. Um, there's, some, there's a couple programs in California that we're familiar with that we love, the Sweetwater mm-hmm. Project. Um, when I say love, as, you know, as a parent, I, I like that concept. But, you know, right. as a community, everyone has their preferences of what they like. But that's, that's what's happening in Maryland. There's a lot of conversations. There's a lot of options that people are looking at. But I think it's a big, it's a big issue. Yeah, I think 
I kind of want to talk about both of those a, a little bit since we do have a little bit more time. I mean, I think you bring up a great point when you think about housing. It's that, that parent perspective because I, I think of two parents, uh, each of whom I really respect here in Los Angeles. I've known them for a long time, and, what, and they have completely different ideas as to what housing environment they envision their, their sons living in when they're in their 20s. And it's like polar opposites. And when you talk to them and they describe it, it, it sounds amazing. And right. they each have this great vision, and, but they're completely different. And so do you, do you find that in the conversation? Is that a big part of the dialogue um, is next steps? Is, do you see it as just that embracing those differences versus, like, the quote-unquote best practice? Right. I mean, it really is. And, you know, I think it has a lot to do with the parents. Um, I mean, not, uh, the personal um, wants for their child. Um, also, the child or the adult child, you know, our children are so different. You know, and I think what we need to remember is what does, does the child or can the young adult uh, determine, uh, self-direct what they would like to have as far as a housing option. So we, we really want to keep it on the table that they have a choice and that mm-hmm. there are a lot of things that are on the table. We can't say, well, you can't have um, group housing because it's not appropriate. Well, I think it should be on the table for those that feel that that works best for them. Yeah. Um, you know, I, I think you need to put a lot of things on the table and, and let, because they are individuals and they all have their own needs and wants, we should let them make those kinds of decisions. But we need to explore everything. Yeah, And yeah. you're right. Everyone has a different opinion as a parent. I mean, my, my opinion's changed over, you know, as you have these conversations, you, you, you are enlightened by the other options. So, so, yeah, there's a lot to learn about that. Mm-hmm. And, and then just, Real quick, in, in terms of the um, the pediatrician to to transitioning into uh, basically an adult doctor, um, I'm curious. You, you kind of talked about two different things there, and, and I'm wondering if one is more of an issue than the other. On the one hand, I know I, I understand that the you think so much about developmental pediatricians and, and they're looking at developmental disabilities and that's what their training is in. So ongoing care becomes a little bit more natural compared to someone whose training and expertise is typically dealing with adults and they may not get that training. Is that issue more or the same than the fact that, you're right, doctors don't always accept um, the different type of funding that adults on the spectrum may have from an insurance standpoint. You know, lots of our kids are on Medicaid or Medi-Cal and on different waiver programs, and that may transition into adulthood. Is, is the funding versus the experience, are they equally kind of things we need to address, or is one uh, maybe a little bit of a bigger issue than the other? I think, there, it, I think it exacerbates the problem that you can't find providers trained with someone when you throw in the, the piece about the um, financial, the, the medical yeah. assistance. I think it just makes it even that much more difficult. So, um, so I think they're equally troubling. Got it. Yeah, it, it's just, I think, um, I, I, I personally never even thought about that. I, I think we all kind of take for granted that there'll be a doctor because there was a, you know, there was a doctor who understood this child at five. Why wouldn't there be a doctor to understand this, this individual at 20? But you're right. That's not the way it works. Right, right. Um, 
Well, we we are you know I, I, we are out of time now. Um, before you guys go, um, I just want to make sure you you guys have such a great perspective. You have such great resources and information to share. Um, families out there, how can they they reach out to you? How can they uh, find out what you guys are doing or reach out to get information themselves? Okay. Well, you can find us on the web at www.pathfindersforautism.org. You can also find us on Facebook for Pathfinders for Autism. And we're also on LinkedIn and Twitter, path underscore for underscore autism. Fabulous. Well, thank you guys so much. I really... Um, I, I just the, – the philosophy you guys have, this, this perspective that you have that, and the, the perspective taking that you're sharing with everyone, um, you know, it, it may be something that is more common in, in, in Baltimore, maybe more common in Maryland, but it, it's a perspective that, that I haven't heard uh, quite as in-depth as you guys gave us today, and I think it's amazing to kind of hear that, and I'm, I, I know myself, I kind of want to go and find out some of those workshops and, and kind of borrow as well, because I feel like going to a school and doing some of these things, as I even do some of my trainings, could be, could be a great thing to do, like that Simon Says game. Sounds amazing. So uh, thank you so much for being here and, and sharing all this information. Thank all you right, for well, having me. It was a pleasure. Thanks so much. Well, today's show was great. I'm really, I'm really excited about the, the dialogue we had. Um, you know, it's so great to be able to hear these different perspectives and see how different people are handling things. And uh, just know that there's, there's groups like this out there who are kind of looking at things from a little bit of a different perspective that we can all kind of learn from. And, and we're all kind of joking before about borrowing uh, workshops and topics, but I think that's really important for us is to to borrow from one another. And I, I know talking to Trish and Shelley, they've already given me a couple of ideas of of maybe how I can do things a little differently and, and, and borrow a couple of activities for uh, the different things that I do in, uh, in my workshops and in, and in the community. Um, as always, if you have questions, if you've got ideas, we want to hear from you. Um, reach out to us, more info at autismtherapies.com. You could reach us at Facebook as well. Go to our page, post some comments. Christina and I are, are always uh, paying attention, answering, responding. So, uh, Reach out to us, let us know what's going on. Um, and have a fabulous week, fabulous weekend, and we'll talk to you next time. Take care, everybody. We hope you have enjoyed today's episode of Autism Spectrum Radio. For additional information and resources about autism, visit www.autismtherapies.com. Please join us each week for a new episode, or visit our archive to listen to and download previous shows. 